He's out with a driver. Now, now, I'm not sure this is right. Would somebody kindly go and stop him? Give him a large brandy and pop him down. No, this, this really is beyond a joke now. He's, he's, he's gone gaga because this is, uh, this is quite... I've never seen anything like it before and to attempt to hit the ball out of there is pure madness. First goal, John. No, answer the question. That's terrible. This could be good. Come in. This could be good. Looks better than it is, folks. Not bad. We're back again due to the incredible demanding feedback of last week's episode. We're going off script, off piste. I'm here. I'm Gary. Crawford's not here. Rob's not here. Uh, but I am joined by a guest who's now been promoted to co-host for the time being um, due to his extensive experience and um, hosting the ill-fated but never forgotten RACDG Gambling Podcast. It's uh, Mr. Aaron Luxemburg is with us and we're also uh, joined by the, the real man of the moment in the RACDG, the man, the myth, uh, the legend himself, Kung Fu Kenny. Uh, so we'll go firstly to you, Kenny, your podcast yeah. debut. First time many people will be hearing your voices. They want to hear your story. What's that first impression you're going to make in them? Let us, let us look. What's the first thing you're going to say? Um, I, I don't know. I think it's, it's difficult to say. I think it's just like great bunch of guys, to be honest. Um, really, really like the really like the group of guys. Um, absolutely encourages my absolute perversion for just random shit. You know, just stuff like, for example, the the squat sticks. I looked at them three weeks, four weeks before I joined the, the chat. I was like, I can't pay 50 quid for alignment sticks. They come in, there's a £5 discount, and I'm like, ah, I've got to sign up for that. £5 discount, like, that's all in. Did the £5 discount come with or without the bend in the sticks? Uh, well, that's it, aye. Aye, so it's like Bubba Watson type lines that you're taking because <laughs> mine came straight, actually, funnily enough. Um, but it was quite humorous that when that came on the chat and and you're like, aye, oh, that's uh, a little bit ropey. But yeah, I think, to be honest, it's just, it's, it's good to have a bunch of guys where you can sort of say anything you like about golf and they'll understand. Um, you know, I'm, I'm probably lucky that my fiance plays golf, so she kind of gets it a little bit, but she's like, I think she's probably a lot more competitive than me. Like, she's a really sort of, she's really good at sport, uh, generally, like really good tennis player when she was younger. Um, sort of had, had lessons off someone and was giving it the chat to my dad when she was starting golf. was like, oh yeah, a guy I know, like, you know, his son's pretty good at golf. Uh, he gave me lessons when he was younger, said I could get to county level. My dad's like, all right, who was this? And she was like, I, Tom Lewis. My dad's like, I, yeah, it's quite good. Because he came, like, tied for eighth in the Open the week before. So, whereas I'm, I don't know, I don't, I don't know why I took it up, really, to be honest, golf. I just took it up for a bit of fun. Uh, <laughs> and here we are. So, yeah. You know, Kenny, you know I just asked how you were. Well, right, oh, sorry. <laughs> I cracked a beer a bit too early, to be honest, Gary. Like, you know, so. That was the, the longest the longest answer in podcast history. <laughs> to hello. And Aaron, what about you? To be honest, like, that's, that's like one of my trademarks. Like, a lot of people ask me, like, can I, can I ask you a quick question? I'm like, you can, but I'm not going to answer you a quick answer. <laughs> oh, God. Crawford, Crawford needs to stay off this one or, <laughs> or you're all night. Um, Aaron, how are you doing, mate? I'm all right, mate. I'm just a bit worried. This is going to become a master's review podcast by the time we're done. 
<laughs> but um, I dead on. Can't complain. A couple of weeks off work, Masters on. Couldn't beat it. Oh, yeah. So what we're doing today, we're going to talk a little bit about the Masters coming up. Obviously, uh, Aaron, your man here, is a gambling expert, so he's going to be running us through not only the favourites, but seeing where the value is elsewhere. Um, obviously, we all kind of know what the main storylines going into the Masters are going to be, but we're going to rely on Aaron's expertise in the field a little bit and see if you can pick any value for us out of the ether. And then we're going to speak to Kenny. Um, we're just, I mean... You've had a small, small sampling of it there, guys. I'm going to ask him one or two questions and we're just going to see where he freewheels himself off to and see where we end up at the end of the hour. So we'll start with that. We'll circle back around to the Masters at the end of it. But before we get into anything too in-depth, Kenny, me and you have kind of been all right because golf's been open. Aaron, you've not really been hit with many restrictions either. So I was going to ask the other two guys how their first week back at golf was, but just in general, how's the game trending, Aaron? Um, I, felt, I felt like I was hitting the ball all right, um, but our greens, as I've documented in the grip, are beyond atrocious. I think there's some sort of problem with no pesticide being allowed to be used in the EU, that it's meant that our grass type, which does die annually with a lot of water, just can't recover. Um, I, I, everybody at the course is kind of, there's only four courses in the country, and everybody's trying to find one of the other courses to get sort of in at, because it's, it's all gone down the pan. So... I'm hitting the ball all right, but when you get on the green, it's a bit of a lottery, so just, we'll just see. It's just another huge tick in the Brexit box, isn't it? <laughs> well, I mean, I, I'm a, I'm a geopassport holder, much like Crawford. I'm sort of filling in and imagine he's got a couple of days name, so I can play that game a little bit, but I'm, I'm stuck right here. And although you've been off golf for months, at least now you can go back to courses that are decent, whereas our course has been on the whole time, but shit the whole time. So, <laughs> Texting it gives. And speaking of Crawford and geopolitics, here he is, Crawford, we've already started. I was going to say, what's your language? But that never stops you anyway. How is it going and how's the golf been since last we spoke? Uh, it's been going okay. I've played three rounds of golf um, in the last week. Uh, varying degrees of shit. The first one was 108 gross. Second one was 102 gross. And then the last one, I think, was 96. Um, trending. So, trending in the right direction. But yeah, it was just... I mean, you know, the, the same thing happened with me in May. It took me about two weeks to kind of get back into any kind of ability to hit a golf ball after the last time. These fuckers, you walk straight out after five months and just get just straight back into a single go round. Oh, I shot a 74. I've not hit a ball in five months. Get to fuck. <laughs> so, yeah, Speaking that's not of me. people shooting scores that they've got absolutely no business shooting. Kenny, how have you been getting on with the old uh, the return to golf and your first couple of OOM order of merit rounds? So I've done one, um, and ah, it was a it's a strange one. Uh, no return on a hole, eight on four holes, but they were high stroke index. Um, so the the remaining holes allowed me to get a handicap cut of zero point four, which is probably fair enough, really, because I did play quite well. Like it wasn't like it was it wasn't a bad round, and I think for me it's kind of I mean that, that probably sounds like to the general golfing population they're like ah. Oh, in four eights that shape but my bad holes used to be like 12s 15s you know so oh, my, my first run out Kenny I had well, in the three rounds that I've had I've had an 11 and in 12 <laughs> so. so like an 8 isn't too bad um, but yeah I mean that's the thing like, you, you probably don't expect to put a card in like when all the turn four eights on it and then get a handicap cut the next morning so um, Kenny just to confirm you're 
floating about around about 26 at the moment. For anybody who's not been indoctrinated into the Church of Kung Fu Kenny over the past couple of weeks, Kenny's a, a relatively new golfer uh, to the game, was a, of a 32 handicap last year, went out, joined this uh, illustrious group, has bought full-on blade irons, he's got fitted for wedges, he's got all the pro gear, he's got all the, the scripting set up and ready to go, but he's got the childlike innocence that he's never been kicked in the face by the game of golf repeatedly before, like the rest of us have. So there's a, there's an enthusiasm there, Kenny, that I don't think a lot of us have got left <laughs> anymore. So just talk us through kind of how you get involved in golf, how you get to this point of obsession yeah. with it so early on and, and what your what your goals are for the year. Yeah, I suppose like, yeah, so getting into golf, like, I mean, like a lot of my family play golf. So my dad's played for years, my brother plays. Um, I've got a couple of cousins that are off like very low single digits. I think one's off a plus handicap as well. Um, Somewhere. Like, a, a distant, distant cousin. But, and I've always had an appreciation for the game. I've always like enjoyed watching it. So being to the Open when I was younger, but I just never really bothered playing it. Um, and then a friend of mine, so I used to do a lot of athletics, a lot of running, um, and a friend had said, I'm going to get into golf because I play a lot, like a lot, there's a lot of kind of corporate stuff to do with golf. And I was like, oh, I'll come around with you. So I went and played the pitch and putt course at Stirling University. Now, Stirling University is it's a big sporting university in Scotland and they have golf scholars and so on. But we've got this little par three. So I went up with him and my, my dad, I said to my dad, I was like, I'm going to play golf. And he's like, oh, I'll give you a set of arms and some wedges and stuff. So basically just... Uh, went up and I had a few good shots and I was like, I quite enjoy this, by the way, this is quite good. Um, obviously, there was a lot of crap in there, but as golfers, you always remember the positives. So uh, my mate and I went and played like a little nine-hole course in Linlithgow. Uh, Gary, you might be aware of it, Kingsfields. Never heard of it, but do continue. So Kingsfields, a little nine-hole course, you can go around it twice. So played 18 holes there um, and enjoyed it. Um, I've, I've got a video actually I'll send a video on the chat of my swing from there like one of my, my one of my early swing videos but just like you know played 18 holes there and I was like really enjoyed it I is it anything like group. the video you sent of your one of your early swings which I can only describe as the flamingo where one leg <laughs> is like <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I think that could become the Fosbury Fop of golf like you know I, I do you know the, the, that might in 20 years time become that 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 follow through is that's like what what's what's the name of that that is it Korean or Thai guy yes. like Ho Chun whatever his name is his follow through is a one legged like his foot comes off and swings around in front of him as right foot. Listen, yeah. they say transfer your weight onto your left hand side, and one surefire way of doing that is having your right hand <laughs> side three foot off the ground. <laughs> <laughs> Here, Kenny, how, how did how did you go from like just getting into golf to then suddenly like a year later having a bag full of blades and. It's basically like it's like taking a toke of a joint and then within one week having four needles hanging out of your arm. Well, I was going to ask you, Kenny, is it is this something that that's like that's like common in your life? Like, whenever you started shagging, did you go straight from fumble to orgy in a week? Fucking <laughs> hell, man! I've not been that lucky. Five either. minutes that took. Five <laughs> minutes to derail the whole thing. <laughs> Mark's got up producer Mark has got up and walked out of the room yeah just like to be honest like, I played, played the 18 holes at uh, Kingsfield and 
inquired at Stirling Golf Club where my brother plays and I was just kind of, you know, I knew that traditionally they had a long late list, but being in athletics, I knew that joining an athletics club had helped me improve a lot as, a, as an athlete. You know, it helped me as a runner. I got a lot faster. So I thought, well, if I'm going to be any good at golf, I need to join the golf club. So inquired, and I knew because they traditionally had the long waiting list that it might be that it'd be like two years. And I thought, well, I'm still interested, then I'll, I'll join. And of course, they asked me to join a week later. Um, so I joined and then played like 18 holes with my brother and a couple of mates of his. But he's a bit of a riot. Like, to be honest, my brother's not that reliable for trying to get tea times or anything. Like, you know, everything's got to be like, you know, the last minute. So joined the club, uh, played 18 holes in January with him. Um, so, so by this time I played two rounds of eighteen holes, and then we're getting. Just to, to confirm, Kenny, you're not going to walk us through every eighteen holes you've ever played, have you? Because no, 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 we no, only get forty minutes at a time on this. So, so I, so I was like, played played eighteen holes with him, and then you know things are becoming more clear now, Gary. <laughs> <laughs> and then got to the point where I was like, well, I'm not going to get a game unless I play on a Saturday in a medal, and I'm not going to get a handicap. So I was like, ah, oh, fuck it, I'll just go and play a medal. Um, so I played a medal and I came back and I scored 164 which, uh, <laughs> wow. oh, how, did, how does that happen? wow well, I mean 45 walking off the, the, the third green so I mean it improved so the third shots. Went on, but, aye but you know we never lost the group in front so it's about the only thing you didn't lose by the sounds of it well that's it I mean it was dignity self-respect went <laughs> <laughs> But I came off smiling, you know, and I was like, you know, I actually enjoyed it. It was like, it was good chat. And, and I teed off second out of the three ball in the last hole. So, because I'd had a six and the other guy had a seven. He was absolutely raging about having a seven. And I was like, oh, I got a six. That's fucking amazing, you know. Um, so, yeah, just, uh, so, so from there, just obviously entered a couple of medals and stuff. And then, but one of my mates had sort of, I think he said to me for a joke, he was like, oh, you need to get a set of blades kind of thing. He's like, that's how you get to hit the ball. He's like, even just to practice with. So I got a, I got an old Titleist blade and uh, took it to the range and hit it like five times and it just felt so good. So I was like, fuck it, I'm buying a bag of these. I don't really care that much. You know <laughs> it what I mean? so good you decided you wanted off. to go out and hit it another 159 times on the course. <laughs> ah. <laughs> no, no, to be fair, but that time I was down to 120. So, you know, I was there. Uh, <laughs> and 40 of my pups, probably. So, I was, uh, I see Aaron put his hand up like he wanted to speak there because this is a podcast that we don't interrupt each other or anything, Crawford, and we obviously put our hands up when we want to speak. So, Aaron, please just it's, jump it's, in it's with good, whatever you've got. He's a teacher, isn't it? <laughs> it's, it's, you know what it is? Overlapping speech does my tits in, and you guys are terrible for it. But I just wanted to ask one question, Kevin. Um, the, quest, the question I wanted to ask was, was sort of answered there. It's like, you, you know, blades are harder to hit than most golf clubs. Like, So why, why are you making it harder for yourself at the start of the process rather than easier? Um, I think I think the general idea is to be honest, like to be get to get better at ball striking, you know, just basically getting ahead and a better, like not not having too much help. And I think it's probably the idea, like you know, you chase chasing Nirvana, like so. If I buy a certain set of irons, are going to get me hitting it longer and higher. Now, am I going to want to buy a new set of irons in two years' time? Yeah, I probably will want to buy a new set of irons in two years' time, but. That because they're shinier rather than because I think they're going to make me better. The um, thing is, Kenny, so, golf is you know, really, really fucking hard. 
you need to uh, give yourself every single advantage possible. And hitting butter knives off 26 is going to, oh, it's going to be a long season for you, Kenneth. Kenny, what is your ambition then? Tell us what tell us what the plan is for this year. For this year, I'd like to get into teens. Um, you know, so uh, that's teen handicaps, by the way, just for clarity. Yeah. <laughs> that. that, that, that's long time, <laughs> Not since I was at uni at 30 have I been into teens. So uh um yeah. But uh, <laughs> Oh, it's gone. We've gone again. <laughs> so, so, Sorry, so Kerry, you want to get into the team handicaps? So nineteen point four is the is the benchmark. That's that's it. Aye, I mean, I'd, I'd like to get to get to eighteen because then you're sort of bogey call. You know, that, that's probably uh, my, my brother plays off fifteen point six. So if I could get better than him, I would probably yeah, that'd be pretty good. But um, Kenny, tell us what what do you think are the strengths of your game so far? Strengths, short game and pattern. Yeah. That's a good answer at this point. Yeah, well, that's true. I think just to speak to this, I mean, I'm not the best golfer, the most knowledgeable, but I think an analogy which has sprung to mind is that starting off by hitting blades and then working your way to more forgiving clubs is like learning to drive in a lorry and then so you can later drive a car. Um, <laughs> in the <set>. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it, yeah, it makes sense that if you can drive a lorry, you're going to be able to drive a car, no hassle, but a lot of people are going to die before you get <laughs> <laughs> Look, Kenny, trust the process. Trust the process. I think that's it. I mean, there obviously are more easy ways to get into the game than sort of like, you know, rocking up after you've only paid 18 twice to a medal and putting yourself into that competition golf environment, um, you know, and, and having to count every stroke and, and so on. Yeah, that's... But that's a much... That's a much less interesting story to tell when you're off single digits and you can say to somebody, my first ever medal, I shot 164 or whatever it was. That's what you want to tell people. And look at yourself in two years' time when you're going to be playing off whatever you're going to be playing off because you seem in the nicest way possible, Kenny, to have an addictive personality. So when you get right into something, you are absolutely balls deep in it straight away. Pretty much, I. Yep. Balls deep in the teens by the end of the year. We're doing it. I was thinking it. <laughs> I wasn't going to say it. You've been okay. the of Mary, the thing about, about listening to everything Kenny said is just the, the fact that it, it hasn't been ruined yet. Do you know what I mean? I, I, I feel like whenever I started to sort of focus on golf more and started to take it, I suppose, more seriously, I get fucking annoyed by it all the time and I'm less charmed. And uh, something that Kenny said before, as a golfer, you remember your good shots. I've now got to the stage where I'm like, 100%. any good shot, I'm sort of, I, I remember all my bad shots, so the fact that you still have that mentality is the, by far the best part of the process, but it's really nice. I think that's why everybody's taken to it so much, because everybody that's within, especially within the order of merit, we've all got scar tissue that you've not got. That's the difference, is everybody's been there, I'll come off around and shoot 74, and I'll remember the two, three putts, rather than the 15 or 20 very, very high-quality golf shots that I've hit in there, because I'm annoyed at the bad putts. So if you can switch that mindset and flip that to coming off and remembering the good stuff, then you're already, you might be off 26, but you're already streets ahead of everybody else mentality-wise at that point. However, however, 
what I will say is I heard today that you went out and shot seven over after nine holes. So my question at that point is, when are you going to respect the sanctity of the order of merit and um, disqualify yourself? Well, I mean, that's, that's a WHS round that's not part of the order of merit, so that's going to reduce my handicap. I reckon we're looking at two shots there. So, you know, that's, that is respect for order of merit, club competitions, you know. I don't, I don't want, to be honest, I've no interest in winning anything as a 24 handicap. Or that's what people that want to win things say. <laughs> Yeah. That's that's what Rory's been saying for seven yeah. years. <laughs> I, I think I don't need to put in WHS rounds on a cold night and a cold morning in Perth. You know, I don't need to put in rounds, but I have done because I think I'm going out there and play well, and I've done. So I respect the hustle. You try to get that handicap down as quick as possible and then play to it. That's the right way to be doing it. Aaron, hand was up again. Was it? Fuck. About <laughs> <laughs> five minutes ago, probably. <laughs> I mean, I, I did not mean to put my hand up, and I apologise. I'm deserving. Have you? He, 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 he was saying, "Make it stop, please, make it stop." <laughs> and have you entered the order of merit? And have you got any uh, scores in for it yet? I have. I banged in a thirty-one pointer yesterday, um, which contains somewhere around fifty-three putts. Um, is, is that on? Is that on the course that has the three hundred and seventy-five yard long par three into the wind? <laughs> <laughs> you know what? That's not even the worst bit about it. I think I complained about that justifiably, and I put a flyover video in it. I think so. It plays. It plays off the whites. It plays two seventy-five yards to the back right pin, covering a bunker. But anyway, that's not the worst problem. That, as I explained previously, the greens are totally shite, and uh, yesterday I just forgot how to play golf. Interestingly, though, in this could spark conversation uh it was a four ball better ball qualifier but we just pulled everything out and the team that won it had 51 points um and there were 64 teams in the qualifier and only 16 were getting through into the match ball the match play qualification and you needed 44 to to qualify uh which we did not get yeah i think four ball better ball teams is um like you do get crazy numbers like that is that i, I just, normally I, Normally, if I play kind of four ball, better ball, it's it's about your kind of gross uh, your, your, your score, and it's it often be like people have been mind, like twenty five under and something with a four ball. Crawford, I cannot think of a format that would suit your wildly erratic and monstrously inconsistent game more than four ball, better ball, where people yep. can forget that you're playing for three or four holes, and you just pop up and go, "Oh, sorry, I hit that one three thirty there, guys. Will we use that drive?" <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah I, I'm very good at, at uh, scrambles and bettables, and um, I, I'm I'm a very good um, pairs partner as well. If I, 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 I there's a guy that I play with who plays all three, and he's like a really solid, consistent. Like he's never out of a hole. He's always fairways and greens. It's very difficult to win holes off him. And then I pop up for like six or seven holes around, and I'm like, oh yeah, I, I, I birdied that. So that's like a net eagle because I get a shot there. Um, and then the other 11 holes, I'm fucking like quadrupled bogey. Um, but it doesn't matter. So he and I often do pretty well. So, yeah, those kind of things suit me. We'll kind of leave our own games at the doorstep for a little minute. If you want to find out a little bit more about the order of merit, six of the boys from the Midlands, John, Gav, Phil, Joe, Russ, and... Oh, I nearly got them all six. Ben, in my one ben, ben, yep. ben. Ben um, have started up uh, the six over par podcast, YouTube series, etc., cetera, etc., cetera, uh, and they'll be covering basically their journey from the start of this right through to the end of it. Gav's working on a few 
um, YouTube videos, a little bit of a kind of documentary series, which we're really uh, all looking forward to uh, cropping up. The first episode of the podcast is out already. It should hopefully be on the RACDG podcast podcast feed before long, uh, but it is up there on Spotify. Just search six over par, uh, and you can hear the guys talking more about the order of merit, about the actual competition in general, and then about how they're getting on. I think they had the first rounds this week as well. So uh, we'll start to get that fleshed out a little bit more and you can keep up to date with them through the season. Um, basically, I'm, I'm just listening to hear Russ over and over tell us that golf is dead. Um, he does seem <laughs> to, to RIP quite consistently. So I'm looking forward to a lot more than that. Um, speaking of RIPs, Jordan Spieth is back. What's happening? He is. Uh, I'll be the first to admit that I, I was... So the, I, I kind of wanted him to revive himself. And then when it got to the, the t- start of 2020 last year, I said, it's been three years now. And I said, if he doesn't get it back this year, he's gone. Like his head's just going to be in a place where he's just never going to mentally get it back again. Because the thing about Spieth was his game was always erratic. It was always about his own self-belief. And like, you know, he believed he could get it up and down from that crazy position and he did it. And he just seemed to be in a place where he just didn't believe himself anymore. So by the end of last year, when he hadn't he hadn't got it together by like the end of the season, I'm like, okay, he's done. I'm now officially declaring him dead. Uh, he's never going to come back again. So nobody is more surprised than I am. I think it is like it is a monumental feat of sportsmanship to be that bad for that long and to be in a hole that badly and to dig yourself to you know to get your find your game again and get out of it. So we respect to him for that. Um, and it, it, the game's much more fun than it's a bit it's a little bit like your own game um, in a way Crawford in the sense that Except it's shit it's that bad yeah that the only difference is I, I never get out of the hole I just keep <laughs> digging it deeper and deeper and deeper that's what the order of merits there for Crawford this is the, the, <laughs> the, the rise of Lazarus well I've, there's 116 of us in there so I've got my eye on 115th I reckon big game last round of the season I'm going to put in a 42 pointer to get out, of, question, out of last then. place there's a question. We'll go around the table, right? What is your um, what is your goal? What is your goal finishing position realistically for the order of merit? So, Aaron, I'll start with you. Out of 116, which position would you be happy with? Um, I'll say top 40. Top 40. Top not 40. to be ambitious. I just yeah, I think I I I sort of came down quite quickly last year in handicap, and I'm. Uh, I'm not. I'm, I'd say I'm struggling to break my handicap off on my course. So yeah, I think that would be decent. That's a that's a nice little one where you can just kind of go under the radar. Everybody looks at it and goes, "I respect that decent season." He's had an all right time there. Luxembourg, I'm sure, is a real place and it's got real golf courses. Well done, Kenny. You know, best. Let me just before you move on, right? And not not to sort of. Uh, start to speak too much but I, I just said that I want to finish in the top 40 in the order of merit and I finished 26th in Luxembourg last year in the national championship there's only there's only about there's only about 60 or 70 people entered it but um yeah so so that just shows that the, the RACDG is officially better that, at golf than Luxembourg that's like Ryan's weird sport from last week basically just Pick a really obscure country or obscure it, sport, and then immediately become elite at it. Well, to be honest, I'm hoping to get into the Olympics at this point, just by playing off single digits. But we'll see what happens. Just watch you and Rory Sabatini rocking up beside each other. 
<laughs> Luxembourg, Slovakia. <laughs> yep. So yeah, are you Ireland will be playing the Olympics in August? <laughs> for Luxembourg. There's a fella at our golf course who's from Macedonia and they don't have any golf courses. And he reckons he's the 10th best golfer in, like from Macedonia who's registered in any system. He plays off 16. <laughs> <laughs> That's fucking oh. amazing. <laughs> this is the way to do it. So, the business plan next year, Crawford, is I'm going to get my handicap down to one or two. We'll all chip in and move me to Macedonia, and I will become <laughs> the official Macedonian number one golfer in the country. <laughs> yeah, your, your wife might have something to say about that. I don't think she wants to go to Macedonia. She'll let me chase the dreams that I've had. Um, to be fair, it can't be that, can't be that different to Glasgow. <laughs> Macedonia, well, that's rough. Kenny, where do you see yourself finishing? Order of merit, where's the, where's the ambition? 116 people. Um, I, I'm backing myself to improve massively, therefore not get as many points as some people expect me to. So I'm going to say top 50. Right, okay, we take that. I see you finishing higher because, is there, I, I might be talking shite here, but is there a limit on how many strokes you can come down? On the world handicap system, no, or is it just no, up? It's just up. Don't right, okay, up as many as yeah. See up, nothing down. So, and Crawford, what about you? We've got a top forty, and we've got a top fifty. Now, I think your game might quite suit this because no, I, I I think it's going to go one of either way. I'm going to be in the bottom ten, or I'm going to be in the top ten. There will be no I, in the I middle. <laughs> you're quite mercurial in that way. You could go out and knock in a forty odd. Because I, uh, I, think, right, I think, see, by the end of the season, round about, if somebody averages at like 33 or 34, I think they're going to be like in the top 10. So I can see you knocking in a 50 and then sticking a 10 in beside it. But it all, totally. it all in the same way. in that little, <laughs> that lovely little patch in the middle somewhere. But I, but I can, I can very easily go out and shoot in the like in the mid 40s and then the next day go out and shoot in the teens. Like I'm just so it depends really. You may find there are some months where I've got a couple of really good scores that go in and I bounce up the table and then the next month I'll, I won't get out of double fit into double figures for every round I put in. Um, and uh, it'll depend as well how many I decide, like when I decide to declare it. If it was a case that I could do a round and then put it in, it'd be a whole different ballgame. Um, but because I have to, declare, like like I'm, I'm playing Cleve on Friday and I'm going to declare that, that's going to be my first round that's going to go in on Friday. I think, though, if I understand the format right, it's the average of your best two. Is that right? Oh, here we go. John Arshad's about to come on to the Zoom chat and shout at you here. Yeah, it's, it's the average of all the scores you put in for that month for the minimum of two. Ah, okay. So you can put in 10 scores. You can put in 10 scores, but you have to be minimum of two. And, of course, the trick is if you put in two mediocre scores, do you declare another one hoping you're going to put in a really good score to get that average up? Or do you end up, if you put in two okay ones and you had a really bad score, is it going to bring it down? Of course, the more you put in, the less it will affect the average. So um, that's why I think the... you want to get out early in the month and you want to try and fire in a couple of mid-30s and then just leave it and then just work in your game because the kind of last thing you want to do, I suppose, is leave it and leave it. And then you've got a week and a half left in the month and you think, fuck, I've got to get two scores in here. And then you're just putting a lot of pressure on yourself. Yeah. That's what I'm doing when I'm cleaving Friday. I know that is that is some place to kick it off, Crawford. Cleaving well, a bit I of thought, breeze. I know. I thought, fuck it, this is going to go. I mean, I'm playing Addington on Wednesday as well, so I might, but that, it's it's not. It's with two non-flockers, so it's with Porno Mike um, and two other friends of ours. Um, so I mean, I might do Addington, but yeah, I'll see. 
it, but the Addington is no easier than Cleve. It's harder than Cleve. So that's something. I want to do one of them this week and have the two I'd rather, I'd rather do Cleve. Because Cleve's one of those places where it, it totally kicks you in the ass, but it doesn't kick you in the ass for every hole. Like you'll find that if you're playing for like your, just your total score, you could get annihilated there because you'll get a couple of really big numbers on holes. But you can equally put a run together of like six or seven pars and our six or seven holes, you're one under. And if you're playing stable for you, then okay. Um, so, so we'll see. We've got four minutes until we need to take a break, guys. Kenny, tell us about all your nicknames and why you've got them. Um, Kung Fu Kenny is because uh, I went to, well, to be fair, so uh, my WhatsApp name has kind of evolved over the years. Uh, it was Mr. 305. <laughs> is, it, is this because you look like Pitbull? And then, then I changed that to Mr. Worldwide, to, you know, Worldwide. Um, then Keezus. Um, so that was a play in Kanye West and Jesus. Um, Wait, he, he's us? He's us, oh. right, so A and then he's us. Right, so okay. Like, you know, like Jesus from Kanye West. And wow. then I went to well, just Kanye West. Right, um, okay. <laughs> Obviously. <laughs> so, um, yeah, took, took, took a break from the, uh, took a break from the kind of classical music and opera that I normally listen to, to listen to that. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, and then I went to see Kendrick Lamar in concert and then he'd done some like kind of kung fu moves and he was calling himself Kung Fu Kenny and then here we are you know we've arrived at the destination so aye um, but my, uh, probably the earliest nickname I've got is Dals um, which is after uh, Kenny Dalwish because uh, my dad told my pals that he'd named us after Kenny Dalwish uh, sadly, the, the football and talent that Kenny Dubwish had never really transferred to me. Uh, I was a decent footballer, but not that good. Uh, so, aye. We've had King Kenny, Dows, Mr. 305, Mr. Worldwide, Kung Fu Kenny, and now, the sandba- and, you know, eases, and now the Sandbagger. That's quite an array of nicknames <laughs> that you've broken. Uh, King Kenny was just like, you know, I don't know, I just was a boy when I was... In my athletics club, like you know, everyone just seen me as a bit of a leader. Um, don't know how because I was shy. Is it because you've gone out, Kenny, and you decked yourself from head to toe in the most expensive, <laughs> nicest gear you could get? Pretty much, yeah. Okay, okay. This is doing track and fade. I, I think there's an inner confidence within me that I don't know. I just self self belief, Kenny. If people are going to call you the king, mate, you're going to you're going to get self belief. Well, this is it, you know. Um, I mean, you're in Ibiza, you're surrounded by decent looking girls, and something getting your best because you're going to a phone party. Well, you've got to take that title, haven't you? So, what's <laughs> going on? How did we get? How did we get? Totally right, Kenny. Totally right. How did we end up in Ibiza? <laughs> at a phone party. Um, basically, I, I the athletics club was us, and like there was a couple of us were leaving. One one guy was going to like live in London. I was going to wait at uni for three years, so um, we, we sort of said about let's have a, a weekend away somewhere. Um, and I was like, let's go to fucking Ibiza, you know. Kenny, why not? we're going to we're going to tantalise the people and come back in a few minutes' time and we're going to hear the story about Ibiza because uh, the Zoom chat's about to break out. So, guys, bear with us. 
Mark, play some cream classics in here, and uh, we'll be back in a moment or so with more about Kenny and Ibiza. I'll refresh my beer. <laughs> First medal, 164. <laughs> I wasn't too bad that thing, actually. Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, I, I, I've, I've had a couple of cans. Like, um, yeah, the pros day this year, uh, it was a bit of fun day, and I, I decided to take driver off the deck after like, a, a, a couple of earned tee shots, and I was like, yeah, driver off the deck, that'd be a good idea. Uh, didn't work. So yeah, I've, I've, I've had a couple of beers. So when you say after a few errant tee shots, yeah. is that another name for uh, a few whiskies, beers, etc.? Have you played under the influence? I, I was, I was pretty much steaming by that time. Um, steaming <laughs> for the for the English is uh, drunk or molly <laughs> or uh, gazeboed or any of these other. Sort of, uh, so yeah, I was smashed basically uh, by that time. Um, There's not even any need to do any sort of intro. We've started because that bit's staying in. Um, RACDG podcast is back. Crawford is, I don't even know if Crawford's back on yet, but I'm joined by Aaron Luxembourg, Kung Fu Kenny, producer Mark in the background. Coming up in the next couple of weeks in the RACDG podcast, we will get an update from Joshua Breslin. Um, who celebrated long into the night last night after Jordan Speed's comeback win as the sole proprietor of real estate on Speed Island. And uh, we'll also get some sort of updates on James Allen and his uh, membership at St Andrews, uh, which I don't like to talk about anyway. And we will, I think we discussed this a little bit earlier on, so regular listeners will know that Crawford was the producer of the very popular shit flick Sharknado 5, what was it? What's the tagline again? It was like, I don't know. Global... Hold on, I'm going to Google it for you. I'm not I was going to say global that. warning or something, but it's, like, it's even worse than that. It's global swarming. Global, global swarming. swarming. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so Crawford admitted earlier that he's never actually watched this. So I think we're going to try and do the first RACDG podcast live night where we'll stream the film live on Zoom uh, with ongoing commentary uh, between Crawford, Rob, and myself. And anybody can log in and sit and we can enjoy this cinematic masterpiece all together with a few cans. So we'll maybe try and get that organised in the next couple of weeks or months. I think that could be a, a lot of fun. Can I just throw a fact or two out, Igor? I just Googled it. Like, um, so it's one hour 30 minutes long. So, right. Yeah, that's good luck for that. Uh, IMDB has it at 3.9 out of 10. Uh, <laughs> rot- rot- rotten Tomatoes get... Rotten Tomatoes gives it 30%. But interestingly, Amazon.co.uk gives it 4.4 out of 5. There's a bit of inconsistency there. 4.4 out of 5? That's what I'm saying here. It's, 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 <laughs> that's, that's a big swing. Numbers don't lie. <laughs> it is, isn't it? 
Crawford's um, been on there leaving the reviews himself, I'm guessing, then. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's something to ask about, because there's definitely a bit of uh, sort of something, there's foul play there. But um, I'm looking forward to that. I'm amazed that somebody has sat there after the fourth Sharknado has been released and went, do you know what we need? We need a fifth. We need a we need another one. We we need a fifth here. <laughs> Do you know what it was? The thing is, maybe it's lost the context. Maybe they haven't seen the first four and just didn't get the storyline. Yeah, maybe there was a lot to wrap up. <laughs> a lot, a lot of nice times that weren't, weren't rewarded. There's so many interweaving storylines at that point. How many interview? How many um, reviews are there for this four point four? There's going to be three more by about half past nine tonight, I think. Um, 51, uh, 51 user reviews and 39 critic reviews. No, sorry, that's IMDb. But what is, worth, what is worth looking into? Someone's taken their time to write quite a significant review here. Um, well, there's quite a few. Um, I would just read those instead of, hi, Crawford. Instead of watching the film, I would just read the reviews. Um, Sharknado 5, it just doesn't get any better, does it? Uh, oh, yes, it does. <laughs> Uh, what's not to like? Ten out of ten. Signed C A D. Um, the plastic surgery is hideous, but the woman rock. Jesus. You know the things that are shortnado just prove how many absolute batshit crazy people there are in the world. <laughs> and some of them <laughs> produce films. Find my favourite. Ten out of ten. IMDb. Talk about global domination. I liked how they focused on the world rather than the USA. I liked how they explained the history of Sharknadoes. That's it. That's the review. <laughs> 10 out of 10. That genuinely sounds like a year seven homework that you would get if you made them watch something. Even a satire what, what needs some sort of connective uh, tissue, but there is no real narrative spine here, just soft cartilage, and that's from Brian. <laughs> Crawford, Crawford, this one, this one feels like a personal dig. Hold on. This one's at you, right? This one's three out of 10. You know, you take the hits where they come. Titled Obnoxiously Ridiculous. And the first sentence is a warning shot. Let me start off this review by stating that I legitimately enjoyed Sharknado 1 to 5, 1 to 4. However, <laughs> and I'll let you read that one for yourself. <laughs> from that point, they're just nags in. But, but here's, but here's uh, who watches Sharknado 1 to 4. Yeah, but here's the thing. And then watches 5. Sorry, Connor complains about it. But here's the thing that gets that makes me kind of just shudder. All of those people are reasonably articulate they're able to create a, a profile on imdp they're able to go on leave reviews with sentences that have beginning middle and end and middle is an end why the fuck are these people watching sharknado it's yeah. not for them Crawford, not for- who who sits and watches sharknado 24 and thinks that's great and then sticks five on and goes that's not really for me that that's that's not really what i was expecting <laughs> what do you mean to say- i just love the idea that Someone has a calendar. Someone has a calendar in their wall, and the date of release is marked. It's like Sharknado Five. No, that's it. No, they're sitting there going, you know what? When these when these were just attacking cities in the U in the US, I was all in. But they're attacking cities all over the world. <laughs> Fuck that shit. This is total nonsense. Okay, <laughs> I've got a book for you. Oh, Mister Wilder, I mean, <laughs> that, that's a good one. You like that, Kenny? No. This is a podcast. He's a literacy champion of the RECDG. <laughs> you know, he's a, he's a big man. That's a low bar. So, 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 yeah. So, <laughs> I, I, I genuinely I need to go out and make a film that is 
incredibly at least famous if not successful otherwise Sharknado is going to follow me around for the rest of my life <laughs> well the only reason I did it was to help out some friends just before you came back on it but we were discussing the um, possibility of a live RACDG uh, podcast where we watch through Sharknado and have live commentary uh, between the two of us and Rob uh, and see how that goes so that, that I mean it could be a legacy that could be the sort of thing you make residuals about um for years to come yeah I'm, I'm happy enough to do that i can't i can't there's not so many certain things i can't talk about but um yeah it'd be quite fun i never watched it so it'd be quite interesting to go through i quite like to see it because there's all sorts of stuff like like in the start of the film it starts off where they're in in stonehenge um and then they kind of go in of they go does. into a cave underneath stonehenge um but we weren't allowed to get permission to film at stonehenge so we went down as tourists and we got i am zeroing to kind of stand next to Stonehenge and deliver some lines while we were filming with the DSLR. So there's these people standing there, genuine tourists, looking at Stonehenge, thinking, why we is this dude... Know that they're extras this in a multi-million pound blockbuster. Yeah, talking like that. So we did that, and then there's a kind of close-up of where he goes into the cave. That was filmed in South London. And then the cave is filmed in Bulgaria. Um, and I'd quite like to just sort of see, it'd be quite fun to go through it and say, oh yeah, because that was, I'll explain how it was all done. But um, but the, part of the point is that it's not supposed to really make sense and be anything other than nonsense. We're going to go very deep into this one day. Um, we're going to have a, a Sharknado-centric podcast. I think that people want it. like the podcasting, isn't it? <laughs> I mean, we've, we've pretty much done just exactly that, to be honest, but it is Masters Week this week and we're about an hour into the Masters preview podcast without having mentioned the Masters. So we should probably mention the Masters. Yeah. <laughs> uh, we've got Aaron on primarily to talk about that. Gambling expert, betting man. So, yeah, I don't know, Aaron, where you want to go with us, but you want to talk about the obvious favourites that are there, but also what other value you've seen elsewhere and what you expect in the week ahead? I would like to start by openly refuting the descriptives you've used. Um, I am someone who, I, I said degenerate is probably more accurate and uh, a less informed degenerate than many of those in the, on the, in the group, your Johns and your Arns. They know what they're talking about. I just like this shit and spend too much time on it. I'd argue I probably watch more golf than 90% of the group, but that certainly doesn't mean I'm well informed. However, I will give you my ill-informed opinions as eloquently as possible. So, um, yeah, so I guess let's start at the top. Um, the thing I find interesting about the, the the Masters this time compared to where it was in November is that in November, I was certain that Dustin Johnson would win. His form was incredible. Um, he played well at the course, which is a massive prerequisite for this generally. Um, and he, he just looked to all intents and purposes like he was going to be very difficult to beat. Not a lot of the time in golf, that just doesn't happen. It doesn't follow through that way. But in, in this one, obviously, he, he dominated it. Whereas now... I can't make a blinding case for anyone um, except for Jordan Spieth. Um, statistically, I know, I know. Statistically, he's the, obviously, last week aside, he's a foreign player at the moment um, in all metrics. Uh, um, and the, the course history that he's got is incredible. And uh, Justin Ray, who's a really good Twitter follow for anybody who's massively into statistics, um, has kind of pointed out a correlation between incoming form and his outcome in the Masters in terms of his ball striking. And it's kind of scary, the parallels that are drawn there. So he is imagine, imagine sitting in November when we did the same podcast in November, Crawford, and saying when the April Masters come round, Jordan Spieth is going to be the overwhelming favourite to win the whole thing. 
How mental is golf? True, but, but here's the thing. about If you'd said to us in November, oh, who do you fancy for April? And any one of us had said Jordan Spieth, we would have said, are you fucking deranged? But if somebody had said to us, I have seen the future and I'm going to tell you that Jordan Spieth is going to win the Masters because he's going to find his game and go on a tear in the autumn or in the spring, we all would have said, yeah, okay, I can see that. Like We all knew it was there. We all would have said, Josh, put the bottle down. <laughs> it's, it's okay. <laughs> Look, I know, but it, it, just, it just shows how, how obviously wild that game of golf is. Jordan Spieth, is, I think he's sitting around about 11-1 at the moment, so he'll be within the top three or four favourites anyway. Um, I think maybe a, a, a lot that will uh, have a lot to do with the outcome will be the state of the course itself. Obviously, DJ was so heavily backed because the course was a little bit softer in uh, November time and it was somewhere where he could just go up and dominate a little bit more uh, with the power and the wedge game. If it's running firm and fast and it's playing like a bit of a different course this year, um, then that maybe brings another 10, 15 guys into the fold straight away. I don't disagree with that at all. I think I don't think um, the course condition was necessarily as big a factor as his form. Like he was, the previous five starts to that Masters or four starts, maybe he wasn't outside the top two, um, which is like Tiger levels in a very condensed way. Um, and that just speaks to the fact that when you look back at what Tiger did for so long, even though I wasn't sort of as aware of golf at that time, you look at the statistics, it's just unbelievable. Um, but he, there is nobody, simply at the moment, there is nobody with that kind of form um I, I i had a thought where i said right so gary who who do you fancy and, and tell me why me i've turned the tables on you get your um, answer i know you've already you've already submitted your oad pick so well, that, that was the answer. thing and do you know what i really hadn't thought about him and then john arshad through that kind of spanner in there as well and i thought about it and i thought sergio has been playing really well for the past three or four weeks he's obviously got a proven track record at augusta the puttons seemed to be edging along and edging along. And obviously he knows Augustus Green's like the back of his hand, having played it so many times. And I thought, do you know what? It seems like one of those years where it's going to be a sneaky one. It's not going to be a Bryson, a Ram or a DJ. It's going to be somebody that's a little bit off the beaten path. that's going to sneak up and do it. So I, th I think Sergio is a good shout. I think if Spieth hadn't won this week, I would have fancied him more. But I think he's not. He's got the winning monkey off the back a little bit, and I don't know if that maybe has an yeah, adversity. Yeah, the number of people who win back to back weeks is very, very little. It doesn't happen exactly. very often, you know. Even people like DJ and, and Rory, who've won, you know, over a couple of dozen times around the world, like they very rarely win back to back. The new person that did a lot was Tiger, and then also in terms of DJ as well, like you know, for DJ to win two in the trot. There are only, I think, three people that have ever won, like Jack, Faldo, yeah. and I think there's somebody, there's one and other person. That if he wins two back-to-back -back with four months between them as well, yeah. does that make it an achievement over and above what anybody else has ever done at the Masters, to win two Masters with four months between them? Well, I don't know, maybe, but um, I, I think it's... Or is there a big old asterisk on the November I, I, one? You also get the impression that he's just been on a fucking heater since like, he's just been jetting around the world has fishing and partying and living it up and having fun since November. So it isn't, it seems I've lost his focus a little bit, but... Um... There was there was an interview went up with him today and they, they were asking him at what point in the 2020 Masters does he realise that he'd won it? And he said after he hit his second shot at 18, he looked at the leaderboard for the first time since the first hole and realised he had a five-shot lead. Um, so he said he was going to look at it earlier on, but he just decided, I'm not that bothered 
I'll just play my game and see where we end up at the end. Now, and that's the sort of mentality that not, wins you not, silly majors. Not that he's not that bothered. Is that A, DJ is actually able to count. And B, um, <laughs> uh, and B, DJ being the biggest um, uh, choker since Greg Norman knew that if he looked at the thing and he was one ahead, he was going to choke and lose it. So he decided to not bother. We saw the stat today uh, shared among the internet that Rory McIlroy, in total, it said on average, but that's not right, but in total, he's plus 30 for the first round of majors in his career. And then for the next three rounds, he's somewhere between minus 15 and minus 28. How absolutely mental mental is that? But no, but literally that is mental. Like, you get to Paul and you're like, like, it's a mental problem that he has. Like, he goes out and he puts so much pressure on himself and he throws it away on the first day and he never gets it back again. You know? Kenny, what about you, the Masters? What do you fancy? What do you think is coming up? What do you hope happens and what do you think will happen? Um... I mean, I'm a big JT fan, so I'd like to see him win. Um, and I think he's got the game for it, to be honest. Um, so Justin Thomas, I like the, I like Dustin Johnson as well, though. I think he just like the way he approaches the game. Just you know, everything looks quite easy for him. Not trying to absolutely smack the wood off. It's a bit like you, Kenny. Um, Everything's pretty easy for him. Just turns up, plays it, plays <laughs> with blades. Somebody gives him clubs, he just uses them. Goes to the night, goes to the nightclub, has um, has the phone parties, just enjoys himself. I bet, I bet DJ's been at a few phone parties oh, in his time. I bet he's way after, yeah. <laughs> oh, he's, he's, he's had a good time in his life, yeah, definitely. But uh, Kenny, JT's an interesting one because I always find he's funny in the sense that he's clearly in the top three or four golfers in the world, but he also manages to stay under the radar because maybe he's not the, I don't know, is he, is he, is he, is he not the blockbuster? Is he not the kind of main event that you get from... Bryson uh, and DJ and Ram and that sort of thing because I feel that he wins far more often than these guys but he also does kind of coast into events under the radar he won a few weeks ago he won the players a few weeks ago and yeah and and he looked incredible in the players Um, you know his his short game is great off the tee probably a little bit erratic at times even he'd probably admit that but I think as an all-round player like if you're looking at his game like as an amateur Looking at not not bulking up like Bryson DeChambeau and trying to hit the ball like at 200 mile an hour. JT is who you want to follow because he just looks so easy sometimes. It's chipping, pitching, just sublime at times. Um, I think Gary, part of this, you know, you said like, he comes in under the radar. You know, when they built those stealth bombers, the point was it made them so small the radar looked like a bird. Well, JT is tiny. He's a really small person, so I think the radar doesn't pick him up because he's so small and people just look straight past him. They're more interested in the, in the massive sort of Saturn-sized gravitational field of Bryson and uh, Patrick Reed and DJ. That's, uh, I mean, that, you're, po- you're positing a theory there, which has uh, quite long-sided biological implications for his parents to make him to be quite small so that when he becomes <laughs> number two golfer, he flies under the radar. I like the depth of that theory. I'm really committed to that. <laughs> Um, just to, it's sorry, definitely just, a movie in that. <laughs> oh no, don't encourage him. Uh, just to speak, I suppose to, to JT statistically, he has a bizarrely um, effective record in reduced field events, um, and we always kind of see that. And he is always there or thereabouts. I, when I, I, if I'm trying to like kind of classify golfers, I think okay, well, what sort of echelon are they? In? He's always going to be in the top echelon, and in this case, 
the the um the field is kind of separated by about four or five points at the top and he's 12 to one along with ram who's just had a baby and you know don't know if that'll have an effect one way or the other whether it's just another thing um dj being sort of out in front of them a little bit and space having sort of come into that bracket from nowhere a couple of months ago but if you look at the specifics of it it's i mean he, he yeah he won in the players but his his hands tried to lose it for him in the past the last three holes off the tee he gets quite squirrely um and I mean, that's there's there's no way to say that that's that's going to affect him in a Masters. There's no way to say that he he can't cope with that sort of thing. But it's just not the sort of thing I like to be on, especially at such a short price. When I feel like when it does get a little bit touchy, he does constantly show nerves. In his last two victories, he kind of limped through it, um, and other people around him kind of fell away. Um, that rope hook at the 18th, uh, at the the players where he hit. I mean, he walked away like he meant it, and it was the duckiest of smother rope hooks that barely stayed dry. And then he walked up after that all smiles. So, I mean, it's a, it's a pretty I've, valid point. There, got, we look, we look, yeah, so I've got a question for you, Aaron. Um, as a betting man, if on Sunday the last two people out, um, the last pairing is JT and Spieth, how many thousand times do you reckon the broadcast is going to talk about how they grew up together and they're best mates? Uh, let's, let's put the odds down that one. Um, well, I, I, I reckon maybe 17 to 18. I mean, 18,000 is probably the good, a good number to go for. Then. I'd say it's not a massive... It's, it very well could happen as well. That's the worrying thing. But uh, yeah, they're not, the, they're not the best to listen to. I usually just watch golf on mute, to be honest. Where do you see some value a little bit further down the field. Then if we're maybe looking at top fives, top tens each ways, that sort of thing, where do you see some value down there? Yeah, so based on the fact that um, the, the point I was making earlier when I asked you about Sergio is that I think a hole can be poked in every argument because I knew you picked Sergio um, and because I, I do agree, um, I just looked at his, um, there's a really good article by Ben Coley working for the Sporting Life, which highlights his mass, his major form since he won the Masters in 2017. So all the majors he's played in, 21st, 37th, missed cut, missed cut, missed cut, missed cut, missed cut, missed cut, 52nd, 67th, missed cut, missed cut. Solid form. <laughs> <laughs> That's the kind of form I have. <laughs> Um, and we don't even have cuts in the RID. <laughs> um, otherwise, no, otherwise like we miss cut every time, Aaron. <laughs> but I, th- I think. Going to yeah. see if I can ca- see if I can cash in with William Hill before the event starts. <laughs> based on that, but, but that that wouldn't discourage me. I think another factor that has to be taken in this week, just as an overall sort of outlook, is that they've taken away green reading books for the first time, and they've become, as you can see, a massive, massive part of the games of like. Dustin Johnson, um, Bryson DeChambeau as two prominent examples. Uh, whereas Rory, as much as his pattern might be maligned, because he has a caddy, he essentially doesn't do anything but apart from handing clubs. He he does a lot of that himself, and it's not usually by by books. Um, so I, I wonder to what extent that will influence things. And then, obviously, then affecting somebody who puts with their eyes closed, it may enhance his chances. <laughs> um, which is... Sergio's been doing that now for... I mean, we can laugh, but he's, he's won a PGA Tour event putting with his eyes closed and he was striking the ball so well at match play. But sorry, to, to go back to your original question, I'm avoiding the top of the field just because there's nobody that really sticks out to me. If I want to pick anybody from the top five or six, it normally has to be somebody I think, right, they're, they're a good bit ahead of everybody else, either on form, form, course form, something like that. But the only person that applies to is Spieth and I just don't know what kind of effect that tweet's going to have on him. Um, and so I've, I've just left the top. I think, wait, as much as I would love it from Spieth, 11 is an incredibly short price for 
even though he's been putting it together, still there's a lot of unknowns in there. It is yeah. a lot of he's, unknowns. He's, so he's, still, yeah, he's still going to get past 12th on, the, on, the, on Sunday afternoon without putting his ball in the water. What he'll do is he'll, he'll yeah. duff it into Ray's Creek and it will hit the bloated corpse of Francesco Molinari <laughs> and bounce up onto the green. Somebody, somebody shared a, an article on from Golfworks or Golf WRX. I think it's, it's maybe Works. Uh, and there's some some 23 players that they reckon could win the Masters. So we've got Stuart Sink, 451. Um, I think that's a long long odds and probably not going to happen. Corey Connors, 80 to 1. Again, not really seen that one. Kenny, you're not going to read them all, are you? Please tell me you're not going to read them. Just trying to go through here, like, like even Louis Oosthausen at 75 to 1, like, just not going to happen. Louis Oosthausen's always, always a good each way bet. Yeah, he's he not a closer. Yeah. He's a killer, but not a closer. He's, he's been right. Like he, he was in the playoffs, you know what I mean, a few years ago. He's our personal top tenner, like Paul Casey at 45 to 1, but he's not including Justin Thomas at 12 to 1. You're like, well, you know, I reckon JT, if you're going for an each way bet, JT would be a good bet. Uh, yeah, Sergio would be a good bet. Hovland, probably a good bet. Um, Rory. Here's what, I, here's you know, what I, I, I think that we've had a good, we've had a couple of big winners the last few years. And in the, the tour so far this year, We've had great weekends. Like we've had big people winning and big competitions of big names. And on Sunday for like the last five or six weeks, it's been a really great season, pretty much since January. So we're due a complete dud. Totally, <laughs> it's due a Charles Sportsal. You know what I mean? Patrick <laughs> Reed. Well, I mean Patrick yeah, would, be the, would, be, would be the two-time winner, but like he, I think he's got some form coming in. I think he's definitely going to be up there. And he'd like he, he, he. The more he's hated, the more everyone doesn't want him to win. That's when he seems to play at his best, and he knows he's hated it. Augusta. But he, he feeds on it yeah. like do you know like the Q, the Q, the QAnon or the QAnon QAnon conspiracy yeah. where the Democrats um, steal children and make them so scared that they steal their scared sweat and then they feed on their scared sweat because it makes them more powerful. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> that's, totally. That's what Patrick does. Of <laughs> <laughs> the quality like outrageous short game, like brilliant round of games. Kenny, I was just talking about queuing on, and you've just went, I could short him right enough. <laughs> yeah, but I think it's, but I, I think it's, there's definitely, there's, there's always a few people in there. I think also because it was quite soft in November, um, because it was November and they couldn't do anything about that, I have a suspicion they're going to shave the fuck out of it this week. They're probably going to have the sub air on from tomorrow. So on that, they've, um, I guess, tried it. So exploring these avenues normally with golf tournaments week to week is a little bit more, I think a little bit more niche, but there are a lot of good Twitter accounts and stuff which can give you information which might lead you in certain directions. Every player interview and off the back of the Augusta Women's Amateur, which was last week on the same course, uh, played off of Mimberties. It's firm. It's a lot firmer than perhaps, uh, evidently, it's a lot firmer than it is even in a normal April Masters. Um, so what and it's due to, is that due to be wind, windy as well as the sense a lot of wind yeah, coming in. Yeah, they had, I think they had a 20 mile an hour north wind. Now, the north wind at Augusta is not the prevalent one, but it is the most difficult in terms of how it impacts the holes played. Um, it tends to help some par threes and hinder the longer holes. Um, but yeah, so if it is windy and it is firm, there are, there are variables there. And for example, the Sergio show out there I might not mind so much in that case um, because uh, his ball striking has been so good and essentially it does come down to the control of the ball striking whenever that's the case but 
Um, to try and sorry, get it back on the rails <laughs> that way. I think that there could be. I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> what, what, <laughs> I, I, understand, what I understand that you're. you're <laughs> what is Zach Johnson you're then? Just, if it's going to be Lindy, Zach Johnson's got to be a fisher. <laughs> uh, he just doesn't. Yeah, so laying up on all the par fives as he did when he won. He actually played all right last week. It's not the most ridiculous shout, but he's just not very. I, I still like him. Um, sorry, I know we to go back to the point. Um, I think yeah, like all of the big names who you would normally make a case for have at least have given me at least one reason to say well, maybe not in that case so i've just looked a little bit higher up and it usually it's starting around sort of 60s and upwards so uh, i'll give you a quick run through of who i've looked at and a little bit of a reason why but in this case it's whereas last masters i was just all in on johnson this time i, I had smith each way as well because i think he's still a bit overpriced but i don't think he is anymore um but in this in this one, it's just a case of looking for someone to come from outside because I can't see a completely clear cut case for anybody. Um, and it could be with them being the top ten in the world, they could win any week and they could just turn it on. And it's less likely for players at a bigger price. But um, I'll just run you through what I've looked at so far. So um, <clears throat> uh, to be fair, it does start quite high. But one player I really really like, um, and it could be a social thing as well as Max Homa. Um, I, I think there's a case to be made for a correlation between courses similar to Genesis and the way this is going to play this week in terms of the firmness. Um, if it is firm and his putter is at least a little bit on, I still think he's underrated. I think he's in the top 30 or 35 in the world now. And I think his his game when he's on is a lot higher than that. And I think he's been on for quite a long time now. Um, the match play, he was unlucky not to advance. He lost in a playoff to the eventual winner. And that was the last time we saw him. But he just, he makes cuts consistently. And, I, I, and, and I do like that. I do like that comparison between Genesis when it's hot and hard and Augusta like it's famous like it's not super long there but it's the, the, the fairways are hard and the greens are domey and slopey and if you don't hit them they just like, get them underneath the hole the ball's away and you're screwed and it's all about keeping control of it so yeah it was windy this year as well wasn't it? Yeah. What kind of uh, price are we getting on Homer? Um, anywhere I'm looking at odds checker, so anywhere between ninety and seventy. Depend obviously with this, if you're kind of new to this whole thing, just look on odds checker. Depending on what accounts you have, like for example, Skybet are offering eleven places each way, whereas Betvector are only offering six. Um, but they're offering the same fraction, so that's a fifth. Um, so it really depends what you're going for. If you're going for each ways, factor that in. Um, but yeah, so um, I think I got 85s. I think he's about 90 at the highest, um, which I, I believe probably I would put him closer to the sort of 66, 70 mark. Um, but the caveat that I would accept as an argument against that is this is his only, only his second time visiting the course, and his yeah. only previous time in the course was in November. Um, and I do value course experience quite highly, but I just think he's a very, very good player, and he's going to I think he's going to step on. I think he's he's moving up um, in my sort of... He'd be what I'd put in Tier 2 now. Um, low Tier 2, like so Webb Simpson in there. Um, but I think he's a very, very good player and a little bit underrated at that price. We've mm-hmm. talked about golf for probably Crawford, a record on this podcast of actual chat about golf there. I think we've got to about 20 minutes. Um, I'll just wrap up the master stuff by saying I've got a straight-up bet with... Uh, Mr. Grant Hutton between Jordan Spieth and Rory McIlroy and it's just a straight up who finishes higher and I took Spieth about a month ago he took Rory and I think at that time Rory was sitting on 11s or 12s and Spieth was in the 20s and it's, it's pretty much done and about turn there so that's my main bet. I'm looking forward to that. I'm looking forward to getting one over on my uh, long-time nemesis, Grun, hopefully we'll have in the podcast. Let's just break quickly as there's two Northern Irish men on here let's just talk about Rory. Do we reckon that Rory walks in 
under the radar, no expectations because he's playing bad and actually performs better than we expect? Or do we think he's going to just come in and just fucking miss the cut and be absolutely terrible? I think he misses a cut. I think, I think the only the only time I've ever considered expectation to be a factor with him was the 2019 uh, Portrush. I think that got in his head massively. I don't think even that previous master, it was just a bad swing um, and the lack of ability to deal with a bad swing. I don't think it was expectation. So I don't think that's a factor. I just don't know if he can if he's good anymore. Like I don't know if he's that good anymore. I just think he, he can't trust his swing um, and you know He's so far down the rankings for ball strike, and especially from a distance where you need to score at Augusta, that would worry me. He knows his way around. He can putt it. If he's, if he's got a good putting week, he can putt it. Um, but, you know, talk about the process. He's in the middle of a process, or at the early stage of a process now, and I don't know if it's just too soon. I wouldn't be surprised, but I wouldn't be backing him. Yeah, I mean, do you think... Give us one name. Yeah. Crawford, go for it. Give us one name, because we're running quickly out of time here. I want to get some more... Madness from me, uh, Kung Fu Kenny. Before in, we wrap up, in the one and give me one name. In the one and done, I've done Spieth, but I think Patrick Reed. Woohoo, Aaron. Uh, in the one and done, I'll go for Spieth, but I'm going to go for Homer as my choice. Kenny, very good for Justin Thomas, but I, I would like to pick Mark Home, uh, Max Homer, but yeah, Justin Thomas. Okay, and I'll say I did say Garcia in the one and done, but. There was a name mentioned as well at one point by Aaron there who's been in a bit of form and I think sneaky, sneaky Paul Casey I think is he's due he's due a big week. I, I think um, but I, I, is, so, is, is it a dead cert that he will be in the mix on Sunday afternoon 100% and he's just doing nothing and he's just he'll end up seventh from like six pars or something in the time pack he'll just like he'll, he'll miss birdie putts he'll shave birdie putts and then obviously this is a podcast there's no point in this but and then he'll do his <laughs> yeah, his little smug face that he does. After right, everyone, Gary, Gary lowered his eyebrows, squinted his nose a little bit, and looked dismissively at the floor. Yes, what? What was that? So he'll, he'll do his little faces, but I think he's a big week. I think that's an overdriven narrative. He won the Dubai Desert Classic, and yeah, it's, it's a European tour event, but he absolutely breezed it, and he's been playing well. He, he hasn't dropped anything in a while. He hasn't had a tournament in his hands and pissed it. Um, he's just, yeah, I think he's all right. And um, yeah, I don't think it's a terrible show. He's a little bit low in the prices after his performance at the match play for me, but yeah. Kenny, we've got five minutes left. Right. The floor is yours. Tell us a story. Tell us anything you want. What's, Leave us what's in, with a little bit of nonsense. What's in the bag, Kenny? What's in the bag, right? What's in the bag? Uh, let's go through it quickly. Um... Butter, Scotty Cameron, Newport. New or eBay? Uh, new, brand new. new. Um, not very really bad pro because I don't give a fuck about fitness, basically. Um, wedgies, uh, Vokey SM7s. Um, new or no. eBay? No, no, all brand new. Um, Is everything you have in the bag brand new? Kenny doesn't fuck about this eBay nonsense. <laughs> Pretty much that. <laughs> yeah, bro. Basically, um, so I decided to get some new wedges because I was like, well, I want some new wedges. And my brother was like, oh, you don't need new wedges. And I was like, ah, I want to get some new wedges. So got got some new wedges. Uh, so yeah, went, went wedge from 52, 56 and 60 wedge. And then I watched a TXG video and they were talking about oh get a get a pitching wedge from your you know your wedge set rather than your 
Aaron and Snowman. Fuck it, why not? Um, so, got that. So, um, got Vokies from 46 to uh, 60 wedge. Uh, irons are Mizuno MP20 MMC for the 4 and 5 iron. Dynamic, dynamic Gold um, S400s. Then MBs, 6 to pitching wedge. But I don't actually use the pitching wedge, it just sits in the garage. Uh, but I just bought it because if I'm going to sell them, I'll need to have a pitching wedge. <laughs> so, so, yeah. Uh, then the, 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 woods are, the woods are an interesting one because okay. I thought I'd bought a uh, five wood, um, but it's, it's 21 degrees this wood, but it works. So, 21 degree TS2 wood, uh, even flow riptide type shaft. And then I've got a three wood. 15 degrees, which is um, even for Ripley's shaft again. Uh, I actually got fed for those, so, so to be fair, I got fed for those two woods. Um, and it was just to try and get sort of the, the rough gap between sort of whoever it was I was looking for at the time. I don't. The driver is a Titleist TS2 with a limited edition Project X blackout shaft. No idea what it's all about, but um, no idea what the loft is, nothing like that. What's the worst shot you've ever hit? You've got one minute. Worst shot I've ever hit? Um, so, second hole at my golf club is a pretty easy par four, you know, one that probably the, the higher, uh, lower handicaps will probably try and get down to quite easily. Uh, down to near side of the green in two and I shanked it. I don't really normally shanked it, but shanked it into the, the bunker and then took three shots to get the bunker and ended up with an eight. So that, that shank I would say would probably be the worst. Like because it's just when I remember I was like actually trying to go for a score and it's shit basically. Um and then when I when I scored a hundred for the first time in the medal the, the guys were saying to me, like, give me a chat. So like, I duffed my tee shot, next shot went to the bunker, and then I put my shot from that bunker to two feet and then putted in for a four. The guys are like, oh, we're going to have a handicap review. You know, it's ridiculous. I was like, well, look at my score record for this last hole. I was like, it's been seven, seven, nine, eight. Well, I mean, you know, it was really bad. So, you know, what should be a straightforward hole? Um, but yeah, but I'd say that's probably the worst one I can think of because I was like, you know, thinking easy chip on the green, you know, make it a five, okay, not the best, but I'll, I'll walk on. I end up with a Kenny. Eight. I gave you a minute. We've got ten seconds. This has been the RACDG podcast. This has been a journey. Um, thank you.